Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here they come on third and five. Wilson, boy, somehow escapes. He's going to run for it. Plenty of green grass. Wilson stays in bounds. He's still going. And he's in. Touchdown. Zach Wilson pulling a magic trick. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore. The 20. The 10. The 5. Touchdown. Two is buried. Oh, a sauce gardener. Here he goes! Goodbye and hello Enzo! And Dyke swarmed, swallowed, and sacked. Guess who? You only got one guess. Jermaine Johnson. Here's Brees Hall looking for history. Hall with his 24th straight game with a rushing touchdown into the NCAA record books. Listen. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time to review the film from week number six, the New York Jets and the Green Bay Packers. But of course, we've also got the breaking news of what's going on with Elijah Moore. So to talk about all of that, we bring in our friend who is the Thunder from Down Under, Mr. Luke Grant. Luke, what's up, brother? You know what, Scott? I'm going okay. I knew there were too many good vibes in the locker room. I was enjoying life too much at four and two. Things just had to get a little bit worse. And look, Elijah Moore news, I'm sure we'll get into it. It's been quite an explosive 12 hours. It's not something I expected coming into the year, but it's where we are and we're going to have to move forward. And it's going to be interesting to see how Sulla navigates this in the locker room. Quick timeline, Luke. Essentially what happened was Sunday, we know that Elijah Moore sent out a tweet more or less complaining about his playing time, even though he claimed he wasn't complaining, although in claiming he wasn't complaining, he was actually complaining. What we didn't know is that apparently in the locker room in Green Bay, he was telling teammates he wanted out, he wanted a change of scenery, he was upset with his role in the offense, wasn't targeted at all. Then today at practice, caused the scene, there was an incident, and the Jets decided it would be better for his mental health to send him home to hang out with his family. This first got reported as it was a personal day and he was going to go home to be with his family. Rich Semini of ESPN was the first one to really jump on this and smell a rat. 
And what people need to understand about Rich Semini is you can love him, you can hate him, but he's been around a really long time. He's the best reporter on this beat, and that's not just me saying that. You can ask all the reporters on the beat. They will all say the same thing. Rich Semini has been around for decades, and so he knows every line of BS that this team is going to throw, and so he knew something wasn't right, looked into it. Fans jumped down his throat on Twitter. Of course, it turned out he was right. Later on, we found out that Elijah Moore requested a trade. He went public to Ian Rappaport of NFL Network about this, and really what this comes down to is now, Luke, what do the Jets do? They've got to suspend him for this game, and they've got to find him for conduct detrimental to the team. They can't train him and give in to his request for a couple of reasons. The first one is that if you do that, you send the message that any player that throws a hissy fit is going to get his way. Remember, people will talk about Jamal Adams, but the only reason that Jamal Adams got traded is because the Seattle Seahawks made Joe Douglas an insane offer. If you'll recall, even Jamal Adams was prepared to come back and play for the Jets. It was expected he was going to play for the Jets before that trade. It just so happened that the Seahawks jumped in with a trade offer that was going to be crazy, which leads to my second point, which is Elijah Moore is not going to be able to bring back anything like the haul that Jamal Adams brought back. In fact, I don't even know if he would be able to bring back the second round pick that he cost in the first place because you're talking about a player who, even though he showed some major flashes last year, hasn't put together the production for anybody to believe that he is a guaranteed number one wide receiver. He is somebody that is right now showing that he's immature and he's complaining about targets on a team that's just won three games in a row and we're going to get back to that in a second. But really this all escalated very quickly, Luke. Huge surprise. This isn't something that seemed to be in Elijah Moore's character based on what you heard about him, but this is where the Jets are at right now. And I think what's going on here is Elijah Moore is reading the tea leaves. He's looking at the offense and thinking, this is an offense that is not going to be conducive to a wide receiver. He didn't get any targets this past week, even though he has gotten the second most targets on the team, and he also has run the most routes on the team. But he's seeing this as, this is going to be a run-heavy offense. He's already looking towards his second contract and so he doesn't want any part of that but he has to see the long-term plan here Zach Wilson is being brought along slowly Luke as you and I were talking about before we started recording the Jets are running a lot of 12 and 21 personnel and the reason they're doing that is because it's working and so eventually the Jets will get to more passing plays Elijah Moore will get more chances but this is what they're going to do as the plan unfolds and so he has to understand the big picture but the Jets also can't give in to what he wants right now for the reasons that I talked about before so the best course of action here clearly is to find him for conduct detrimental to the team as I said don't dress him for this game coming up against the Denver Broncos and sit him down and explain to him this is the long-term vision. This is the long-term plan. We are not going to trade you. And if you want to carry on like this, we just won't dress you. We've got other wide receivers. And if you want to cost yourself millions of dollars by not playing so teams don't want to pay you, then fine, go ahead and do that. But you are not going to get traded. So you can either get with the program or you cannot dress. And that's essentially how I think Joe Douglas and Robert Sala have to handle this. Luke, what are your thoughts on the whole situation? I mean, I don't know if it's... It's just baffling to me, Scott. I, this is not something that I expected, as I said at the top of the show. I don't know if AJ Brown's in his ear, but let 
Let me tell you, this is not the same situation. Elijah Moore is not in line to be paid. Elijah Moore is not an all-pro caliber player. Elijah Moore is looking so far down the track that it's not even funny. So that's the first thing. But from an optics perspective, it doesn't get much worse than this mm-hmm. for Elijah Moore. So right now, the Jets are winning. They're in the best place they've been as an organization in the last 10 years, or at least since 2015. There's no arguments about that. He has an issue with that. He is a me-before-we type character is what he's shown. And on top of that, there's a video that surfaced today from last year after the Dolphins game where Elijah Moore had multiple catches, a touchdown, and 100-plus yards, and he was throwing his helmet on the sideline, and Elijah Vera Tucker was trying to pull him into line. What does this guy want? I mean, he, he seems to have an issue with getting targets. He has an issue with losing. He has an issue with winning. He has an issue when he doesn't touch the football. It seems like it has to be the perfect world for Elijah Moore or else he's not going to really buy in. I cannot believe I'm saying this because this is not where I thought we'd be or something I'd say about someone that Robert Sulla and I both thought were a high-character guy. He seems like in all of his interviews. But I think you hit the nail on the head. A lot of 12 and 21 personnel, and why are you going to change that? CJ Uzama might have been the Jets' best offensive player on Sunday, and no one really noticed. The Jets have scored a ton of touchdowns out of their pony 21-2 running back shotgun set. what's the issue here? The issue is that Elijah Moore's worried about his future and that's just not a guy you need in your locker room. As you said, he can't go anywhere, but he needs to pull his head in and do it fast. Yeah, as you said, Luke, the optics for Elijah Moore here are terrible. You've got a player who is on a team that has just won three games in a row. This looks bad to fans. This looks bad to the media. This looks bad to other teams. So he clearly did not think this through and it is not going to work out well for him. We'll see how this plays out. In the meantime, Luke, let's move on to the All-22 that you looked at from the Jets game against the Packers week number six this past Sunday, and we'll start with the wide receivers. And they haven't been doing much, especially this past week, other than that one pass to Corey Davis. Zach Wilson did throw for 110 yards, so not really a big surprise. Talk to me about what you saw from Wilson on tape and the wide receivers. Were they just not getting open? Was he not seeing them? Was it something with Mike LaFleur's play designs? What's going on? Look, I'll start with Garrett Wilson. It just wasn't his day. He's been really good against man coverage so far. He's been Zach and Joe Flacco's guy, finding him in isolated one-on-one matchups against man. Look, Jair Alexander is one of the best corners in the NFL, and he did a number against him on Sunday, and that's okay. Zach only threw 18 passes, as you mentioned. Garrett Wilson dropped two of those. Um, it wasn't his his best performance, and that's okay. He's probably going to have a similar game against Patrick Sertan the second this week. There's going to be fluctuations and undulations in his rookie year, and it's going to affect Zach Wilson, and they're going to go hand in hand. These two weeks could be pretty ugly, but you know what? There wasn't a lot to like on tape for Garrett Wilson, but that's okay because the greater uh, tape has been really good. And then if you're talking about Corey Davis, Scott, there was a moment in the third quarter where you just felt like the Jets had to start passing the football and they needed explosive plays. And that guy all season has been Corey Davis. Something like 82% of his catches this year have been for a first down or touchdown. That is a ridiculous uh, rate, and it's extremely impressive. And it's the different ways that he's been winning. Um, He obviously caught the ball over the middle of the field, got the first down, and the next play had that big bootleg on the double move on the right sideline. He goes for 40 yards. It's a huge play after you felt like the Packers were getting back in the contest. So that was enormous for the Jets. Um, and Corey Davis was definitely the, the star, if you can call a receiver a star, in a performance where the Jets only had uh, 110 passing yards. Zach Wilson, as you and I have talked about, Luke, in the past, 
has been fine in a clean pocket for the most part, but he has a lot of trouble when pressured. Has he made any progress in that regard? And is there anything you're noticing on tape that might point you to an optimistic or pessimistic conclusion as far as that goes? Yeah, you know what, without sounding too much like PFF here, one of the most stable things to look at from year to year as far as a quarterback performing well is his performance in a clean pocket. And it sounds fundamental and very basic and like every quarterback would do it well. But the truth is they don't. Zach Wilson was 9 for 11 in a clean pocket. He only had two incompletions. He was 1 from 7 when pressured. Looking at it from a positive perspective, he wasn't very good in a clean pocket for the first half of last year. He was standing there holding the football, patting it, didn't know where to go with his eyes. He's corrected that. Now when you look at the negative and the flip side, under pressure, he struggled. Look, there was a ball he threw to Corey Davis who was wide open. It got batted down because Conklin couldn't keep the defensive end's hands down. Not on Zach Wilson. There was one in the end zone where they're trying to run his own end zone, let me say, where he was trying to run a little screen and two guys went screaming through untouched and he just had to do everything he could to not take an, an intentional grounding and give away a safety. Those plays aren't on Zach Wilson. Then you come back and you get the play where he tries to squeeze it to Corey Davis in the in the end zone. That's not a play you want to see optimally. It's probably a little bit of a rash decision. He's trying to you know be that Aaron Rodgers outside of structure. Didn't quite work for him. He hasn't quite struck that balance yet. But to be honest, if the Jets' defensive line can keep playing well and they are getting better week to week, I'm more uh, concerned and impressed by what he's going to do out of a clean pocket. And I think he was fine. Look. There was nothing that Zach Wilson did that was great. I get it. I understand that. I'm not going to sit here and try and make him sound like he played really well. But there's nothing that I was concerned about watching the tape either. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Luke, the offensive line, you touched on them before. I thought pass blocking wise, they were okay. They really seemed to pick it up in the second half. It appears to be a trend with this group. But the run blocking was fantastic, and I want to get to Brees Hall in a little bit. But first, talk to me about what you saw from the offensive line, the good, the bad, the ugly. Look, for a guy with a torn rotator cuff or a serious rotator cuff injury, and he's, I think he's 38 or 37 years old, Dwayne Brown has been enormous the last two weeks. Some of the mobility for a guy his age at that size playing left tackle was just incredible. You talk about guy, a guy who was killing it on pin-pull looks, something I've talked about a lot of times on the show where – the Jets are going to crack block with a tight end and a wide receiver, and they're going to send uh, Connor McGovern and he out in space. He was just killing it in that aspect. And as I said, it's so impressive for a guy who could have easily posted this season in, taken his money, retired, and it just says a lot about the character of Dwayne Brown and how he's playing. On the other side of the line, I think Elijah Vera Tucker got really good push. Uh, Brad Thorne on Twitter, who's one of the best in the business when it comes to O-line play, he was extremely complimentary of Elijah Vera Tucker some of the things he was able to do, especially, as we said, running the ball, something the Jets just kept on doing. They rammed it down the Green Bay Packers' throats for the last three quarters of the game, and it was extremely impressive. Um, in pass, bro, it was a mixed bag. To give up seven pressures on 18 passing dropbacks is probably less than ideal. Um, you don't love to see that, but it's, it's going to be a work in progress with the different combinations we've seen. The fact that you've got Herbig in there with Elijah Tucker and Tomlinson still getting back to his best. So... All in all, it was a, an uneven performance in the passing game, but you love the running game. You love the ability to get ahead of the sticks and to close out these games in four-minute situations. The Jets haven't been able to do that since I was a kid, and it's fantastic to see. And CJ Ozama helped blocking as well, plus he made some plays in the passing game too. I think a lot of people probably wouldn't notice. Yeah, you see the screen when he busts out for 17 yards, a really nice play, but that's really Michael Fleur. Some of the things that when I noticed, I want to bring people's attention to the Braxton Berrios touchdown. 
where he was on the left-hand side as almost a, uh, a wing-back type uh, or H-back type role. And he motions like he's coming across in a sift motion. And then he whirls back around and is the lead blocker, does a great job out in space. And then Dwayne Brown does the rest on that play. Um, I mentioned before the huge Corey Davis bootleg pass. That was because on that same type of motion, across came CJ Uzama on the cut block, did a fantastic job. And it gave Zach Wilson just an ample of space and time. And he was able to make that play to Corey Davis. So the unsung hero for me, as I said earlier, was CJ Uzama. I think he keeps doing better things. And that's part of the reason why Elijah Moore's disgruntled is because he's on the field more and they're playing, you know, CJ Uzama 60% of snaps. And it's for a good reason. He just keeps on killing it now. Luke Brees Hall. I shouldn't even have to say anything more than that. Well, I mean, what else do you need to say, Scott? <laughs> the guy is in his sixth game of NFL football. And he looks like a top five running back. The vision just keeps on getting better. You want to talk about his ability to hit the cutback lanes, his feel to just accelerate and get north-south in a hurry. It is extremely impressive. Um, he's, he's picking up positive yardage when you almost feel like there's nothing there. Um, and right now, the Jets look like the smartest people in the room for trading a fifth-round a fifth pick away for Brees Hall. No matter what the analytics say, no matter what PFF and everyone else says, this kid is performing and they are winning on the back of the offensive lines run blocking and brace hall. And it's a joy to watch and it's simplifying the game for Zach Wilson. It's going to open up the pass, uh, the, sorry, the play action passing game. And look, if the Jets can keep doing this and Zach keeps improving, we've got a recipe to legitimately be good on offense. And I haven't seen that in a lot of years. Defensively, Quinn and Williams and Sauce Gardner were both straight up stars on Sunday against the Packers. What did you see when you looked at the All-22? I mean, Source had, what, three pass breaks up, breakups, excuse me, uh, four incompletions forced, um, shook off a little head knock, but was just phenomenal. You know, that clip's gone viral that Richard Sherman posted of Source covering the double move on the Green Bay rookie, just his hip fluidity and change of direction for a guy who is a leggy six foot three. And what I mean by that is he's all arms and legs. It's difficult to change direction and break it down quickly. He does it like he's Michael Carter the second in a five foot ten frame. And... That is just a special ability. And there's a reason that he's the number one cornerback in the whole of football in single coverage this year with a pass uh, a passer rating of 19. He, just for context, if you threw the ball in the dirt every single play, that's a passer rating of 36. So you may as well throw it in the dirt rather than throw it to Source Gardner in single coverage. And then Quinn and Williams. I mean, look, I think everyone that's listened to me on here before, Scott, or follows me on Twitter, they know the affinity I have for Quinn and Williams, that pick. Uh, back in 2019 and just what kind of caliber of player I think he can be. And this year, he's not just playing like an all-pro. He's legitimately playing like one of the three or four best defensive players in football. Two sacks, two other tackles for loss in the run game that may as well have been a sack when he blew up Aaron Jones early in the game. He had the blocked field goal. Uh, he had, I think, an extra six pressures. I think he had seven or eight total pressures on the day. He was relentless. He was just the guy who set the tone. Even the play where... He got double teamed and he was really slow, but then he managed to get a hit on Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers completed the pass. But he got up and it was on the Pat McAfee show this week, Aaron Rodgers, and he said, I'm still feeling that hit on my right quad and my glute and I'm struggling. And that's because Quinn and Williams made his presence felt and he was so important. He set the tone. He's the Jets' best player and right now he might be one of the best five players defensively in the NFL. The defense in general had a fantastic game. What were some of your other observations from looking at the All-22 beyond Sauce and Quentin Williams? It's the team speed on defense, Scott. It's something that Chris Sims talks about a lot. 
you see some of these teams playing zone coverage and you think about uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, with Gruden and with Dungy and that iteration of the, the Tampa 2 defense. Look, the Jets don't play Tampa 2, but my point's still the same. When they're playing zone coverage, their speed and ability to keep things in front is absolutely crazy right now. The linebacking group had their best performance that I've seen from a Jets linebacking group in probably five seasons. Juan Alexander had a huge fourth down breakup. I've been hard on Quincy Williams. I think he makes some rash decisions. He had his best game as a Jet. Very few, if any, mistakes. He was blowing people up everywhere. He got picked on a couple of plays in pass coverage, but then he bounced back extremely well. And it's a credit to Robert Sulla. And I know I've been tough on him too, but he's a linebacker coach at heart and so's Albrick. And they've done a good job developing that group. He had 13 tackles. CJ Mosley's been pretty solid all year long. He's not going to be an all-pro, but he's a reliable voice, leader, and presence in the middle of the Jets' defense. They're quick. They're playing great laterally. And gone are the days where you can throw a screen or a draw and just expect the Jets to get gashed. I think we finally solved that problem. That stood out to me. And then DJ Reed just kept on being DJ Reed. Realistically, the only success that Aaron Rodgers had in the air was against Brandon Eccles. I'm not going to hold that against Brandon. A slot fade to Alan Lazard's a tough one. Aaron Rodgers put a great ball in. But all in all, what a great performance from the Jets defense and a way to bounce back for Aldrich and Sullivan. Luke, any other observations you had that we didn't touch on yet from the All-22? I feel like a broken record, but man, are the Jets just going to keep doing this on either side of halftime? It, it's frustrating to see them give up late points. The Jets, I just gave the coaches a whole lot of credit, and I think they were fantastic defensively. They played more man coverage. They got up in their face. They were bringing pressure. Not, not you know, big blitzes like a Wink Martindale, but they were pressuring Rodgers. And then in the last 45 seconds of the first half, they went into this prevent shell, and Aaron Rodgers picked them apart surgically, too easy. And I just sat there going, what are you doing? You've done it so well. Don't get away from what's made you successful because you're worried about the situation and trying to cater to the clock. Just do what you have done so well that shut Aaron Rodgers down. They need to stop letting in points. The last three games, the Steelers, the Dolphins, and then the Green Bay Packers have all scored points in the last minutes of the first half. For me, those are the championship minutes. That's what I always preach for more coaching teams. If you win the five minutes inside of halftime, you so often win the ball game. I want to see the Jets do better there, but I'm not going to be too critical. It was a great performance. It was character building. It was physical, winning in a tough place to win. Winning in Heinz Field and then Lambeau Field, they're two places the New York Jets do not win. And I think West Diamond to finally turn a corner. Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down the All-22 from the Jets' performance against the Green Bay Packers this past Sunday. And, of course, talking about the breaking news involving Elijah Moore's trade request with me. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out everything that we've got up on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, what are they going to see when they head over to youtube.com slash playlikeajet and when they visit our store over at tpublic.com? That's T-E-E-Public.com. The Tee Public stuff is awesome, Scott. We've just got a different range of merch. Quinn and Williams stuff, which should be the talk of the town right now. Everyone should be wanting to wear Quinn and Williams gear. He's getting loved nationally. It's awesome. We've got the Bless You, Thank You range up there with Quinn and JFM. We've got Zach the Ripper. Zach Says Go Long, which you see featured as a logo on the YouTube channel a fair bit. Play Like a Jet logo merch. And as I say all the time, you can do anything with it. It's not coming by this T-shirt. It's you can turn it into laptop stickers, iPhone cases, anything you want merchandise-wise, you can do it. So make sure you head over to Tee Public. And then over on the YouTube, we've got a lot of momentum going over there at the moment. I posted a video this morning with my reaction. Sorry, this morning, my time with my reaction to Elijah Moore and this whole situation. If you want to hear more of my thoughts about that, 
We've got four to five breakdowns of the All-22 every week. Uh, this week, there's already one up on Quinn and Williams. Sources incoming, CJ Uzama, maybe a Dwayne Brown, Brees Hall, plenty of stuff. So make sure you subscribe, support us, support the channel, and we're going to keep on uh, keep on producing Jets content. Make sure you go to our channel, youtube.com slash play like a jet. Watch all the videos and subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tee And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com.